most of you woke up this morning and as you were getting ready for church, we know the seasons that we are entering into, correct? In the natural, right? We, we understand the seasons. Next week is Thanksgiving, right? And I know that all of you woke up this morning or most of you woke up this morning and say, we're going to go to church and we're going to listen to a message about giving thanks and thanksgiving. And I'm here to tell you that if that's what you woke up thinking this morning, you could not be any closer to the truth. And I want you to know that I planned that joke on my way in this morning. But it's because we live in a world where thanksgiving or giving thanks or being thankful or being content has become a non-norm in our lives. We are, all, we are taught, we are conditioned, we are programmed sometimes by those in and out of the church to always be searching for more. There's always more. One double quarter pounder with cheese is not enough. Now you can get two for four dollars. Come to Applebee's, buy one meal, get one half off. Right? We go to stores based on how much more we can get. I know people, when I worked in Indiana, I knew a man that I worked with would drive 25 miles out of his way to save two cents on gasoline. So he could have more money in his pocket. We've seen people do ignorant things for more, for more, for more. And if we're not careful, that will creep into our relationships with Jesus, whom he is the one who established what we believe and how we believe. And for the last couple of weeks, you have heard it taught from this pulpit, follow instructions. And I'm telling you not to scare you, but this Bible demands that we who have been called as ministers of the gospel tell you what times we are living in. Not to scare you, but to tell you the truth, to let you know where we are. And as corny as this is going to sound, and sometimes you need some corny cliche things in your life. Because if we're not careful, we'll allow things like, for God so loved the world, to just be another verse that they put on their eye blacks or that's on t-shirts and stuff like that. But that is, that is in the Bible. That scripture, Hallmark, did not come up with that. We will allow things like Jeremiah 29 and 11 to lose its meaning. Sometimes we need to get some more repetitiveness. We need to get some more cliche and some more corny into our lives to be reminded of what God said. Because if you don't know what God said, you will not understand what He is saying. Yesterday, me and Kirsten sat down and started watching Left Behind. Not the old ones with Kirk Cameron, the new one that was made this year. 
And if we're not careful, we can read these scriptures in Revelations and we can be taught them and we can be taught them. And they become just a story. And the great thing, as corny as sometimes those movies can be, sometimes it will snap you back to reality to show you this is really going to take place. Jesus is really going to call the church home. The tribulation is really going to happen. The Antichrist is really going to raise to power. There's really going to be three and a half years of peace. There's really going to be three and a half years that the Bible says will be the worst in human history. We, we are taught at how bad America was 200 years ago. The Word of God says we know nothing. As evil as people can be, the Bible says that evil will be free. In the last days. And we still come to church and argue whether you should speak in tongues or not. And argue whether we should lay hands on the sick or not. Not to mention the fact that it does say it in the Bible. But that's not what I'm here to teach you about today. But the end times are Jesus is coming back. And for anybody that thinks about how or is told the lie, has bought the lie of how could a good God, look at, listen to me. He is giving you, however long your life is, if you have lived one day on this earth, you have lived long enough. Those few breaths that you've taken has been blessing enough. Some of you have lived 80 years, some 60, some 50, some almost 40. Some of you are very young. But when Jesus calls us home and the church leaves, people are going to be left on their own to their own device, own vices. But here's how much God still loves them. They still have seven more years to get their act together. Don't tell me that God don't love people. He gives us chance after chance. Do you know how many chances God gives you? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, and, and even though you get chances on Wednesday night to come to church, you get chances on Sunday to come to church, he's made it available to you in book form, in TikTok form. When we sit here and say, how could people not have an excuse? You tell me. What is our excuse going to be? For those of us that believe in Jesus, what is our excuse? Because see, when these, when, these, when these letters are written, we, we imagine people that don't come to church or don't believe in Jesus. But Paul's letter was written, written to church folk. That's why he starts it off and says, this letter is from Paul and Silas and Timothy to the church so when Paul describes all of these terrible things, he's talking to and about us, church folks. Just like when Jesus looked at his disciples and said, these signs will follow those that believe. You can argue whatever you want to about that book. But when Jesus, who is God in the flesh, said something, you are arguing it at your own despair. Those letters written in red were spoken by God himself. So when God himself said, these signs will follow those that believe, what do you think should follow those that believe? Those signs. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. 
They will speak in tongues, other tongues. And we can argue what that means. Does it mean Spanish? Does it mean Norwegian? Whatever. The Bible says they will speak in new tongues. We're not going to argue that stuff. As a matter of fact, Paul said the time for us coming to church and arguing over things like that has passed. Now this is all about making sure that we and those around us are covered by the blood of Jesus and that we are following instructions until he shows up. Pastor Hunter, what does that mean by following instructions? If Jesus tells you to hit your knees, then you don't just get in a squatted position. You hit your knees. When God says humble yourself, that doesn't mean to not, that means humble yourself. We come in and we get so puffed up and prideful and pretend that we wrote the Bible. That we are going to tell God how we are going to live. And you can do that. But when you are down here and we are up there, I pray that you look around and go, you know what? That redneck dummy was right. (laughs) Amen? Now back to Thanksgiving. (laughs) And and this is going to roll into Christmas because this is what we've planned for Christmas this year. Rolling right now from Thanksgiving Today, the title of what, what, what I've got to say today is not just a holiday. And we're going to spend the whole month of December celebrating something that's not just a holiday. We have taken something and created a holiday for it. We didn't create something out of a holiday. We created a holiday out of something. We really spend one day going around the table and saying how thankful we are. We take one service a year and talk about how thankful we are. And it's not a holiday. Jesus, the Bible, the prophets, Old and New Testament, they tell us that this should be a lifestyle. Pastor, how do you know that? I'm glad that you guys came this morning and asked. Because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'm going to read starting in verse 12, and I'm going to read it all to you because these are instructions from Paul to this church on how we should live. Everybody cool? All right. We're about to see. Dear brothers and sisters, say, that's me. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. That's about as quiet as I thought it would get. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And live peacefully with each other. Okay, he tells us how to treat our leaders. Now he's getting into how we should treat each other. You ready? Live peacefully among each other. That means when these grown children get on TV and tell us how they're going to change our country, do not argue with each other over nonsensical things. I don't care if your t-shirt's red, if your t-shirt's blue, if you go and buy a tie-dye t-shirt. We, are, we have been conditioned to argue over nonsense. How does the enemy come in and divide us? Over stupid things. Amen? Live peacefully among each other. 
Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn the lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak and be patient with everyone. That one spoke to me. You guys ever been making food for Thanksgiving and the, and the ingredients call for like a fourth of a teaspoon or an eighth of a teaspoon? I feel like that that's about how much patience I have. About an eighth of a teaspoon full, right? Just enough for it to aggravate me, right? Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil. But always try to do good to each other and to all people. Again, he's talking to the church. I'm going to read it again. See that no one pays back evil for evil, church folks. But always try to do good to each other, church folks, and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Are y'all ready for the Thanksgiving scripture? Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. But test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Every kind of evil. Every kind of evil. That is a message to the church. See, we would pass over that if he was talking about for, for non-church people to stay away from every kinds of evil. He's encouraging us as followers of Jesus to do these things. And I want to hit on the Thanksgiving message. Be thankful in all circumstances. That is terribly hard. It's hard when life seems to be falling apart to remain thankful. Right? Right? Whenever I read this scripture, um, one of my favorite movies, not just of Christmas, but of all time, is Christmas Vacation. Love it. Could pretty much quote it. Won't. Because I don't want y'all to get offended, but I love that movie. Are you serious, Clark? Right? Love it. Love it. I guess because I could see some of my family in that movie. <laughs> like when they buy when he, when he buys the, the, the light bulbs and he throws the dog food over on the light bulbs. I have people in my family that would do stuff like that. Right? I'm probably one of them. But when I hear this, when I, when I read this scripture, uh, the, the scene that always comes to mind is when Clark is sitting at the head of the table and they're getting ready to eat. He goes, wow, everything looks great. This turkey looks amazing. And then he cuts it, right? And then Clark takes that piece of turkey jerky, right? And he's got his mouth, he's, it's real good. And Cousin Eddie says, save the neck for me, Clark, right? And Clark is trying his hardest to eat this turkey jerky and remain thankful in this situation. To me, that's how life is. I had this whole feast planned out. And then my turkey's too dry. 
And the Bible says in all circumstances, remain thankful. In all circumstances, remain thankful. And I know, again, it's cliche and it's all those things, but I feel like God sent me here this morning to remind you of what he said. Why is it important for us to do that? Because we can look in every situation of our life. This may not be going right, but God, thank you that this is. Lord, you know what? My children may not be able to play for the New York Yankees, but thank you that they are able to play. Lord, you know what? I may not be driving a Mercedes Benz, but God, thank you that Bertha cranks up every morning. Lord, you know what? I may not be living in a mansion, but God, thank you that my heater turned on this morning. We get so caught up in looking at what God's not doing that we miss the things that God is doing. Because God's not doing this that we think we need. We miss the things when God said, I'll give you what you need. In Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6, I hope I'm not the only one that feels God in here today. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, when you pray, verse 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward that they'll get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. See, we get caught up in wanting men to reward us. We go in so much debt wanting men to reward us. Oh, oh, when a preacher says it's bad, but when Dave Ramsey says it, We buy his books and go to his courses and things like that. God's been telling us those things for generations. That we get caught up in the opinions of man to our own downfall. We overlook the opinions of God because we're more worried about what our neighbor's going to think. Right? How do I know that? Because I battle that. Every day when I get in my Nissan Titan, that 97% of the time is covered in red clay, that has a little bit of a wobble to it, that squeaks when I hit the brakes, right? My running boards don't pop out when I open my doors, right? I can't shift it into four wheels and spin tires because I'm afraid the tires will spin off of it, right? I battle that. Lord, if you could just... All I need is $75,000 because I need a King Ranch Ford F-150 so that everybody else can be impressed with me. You know how hard it is to get in there when you turn the key the first time and it doesn't crank up right away to then go, Lord, thank you that it cranks up on the second try every day. been there I am there I'm not saying that being thankful in all circumstances is easy it's not 
It is not. It's not easy. It's not easy. But it's an instruction that we have to follow. Be thankful in all circumstances. Because we get so focused on what God's not doing that we miss what he's trying to do with us in our lives. Jesus continues on when he says this, but when you give to some, he says, I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will get, but when you give to someone in need, wait, I went too far, I went back up. We'll read that later because obviously he wants that read. When you pray, don't, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. And then Jesus said, pray like this. Now look, He's not saying to use these words all the time exactly. He says, pray in this way. And and what does it mean this way? Watch, the first thing Jesus does is comes in and submits Himself, humbles Himself under God when He says, God, our Father, you are the holy one. See, sometimes we come before the Father and go, me, 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 me. The first thing Jesus does is come in and says, look, the first thing you do is humble yourself and worship your God. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 6.13 And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus says that's how, that's, that's how we should pray. We've taken that and mean when you don't know what to pray, just pray these words. No. That is fine. That's fine to pray that way. It's not what I'm saying. But he said pray this way. For those of you that are wearing open-toed shoes this morning, I apologize. And I've battled this this morning. But the Lord won't let me alone with it, so I'm going to say it. And just remember, I played baseball, so you start throwing stones. I know how to throw them. I'm just kidding. But watch what Jesus did. Jesus said, he goes to the Father and said, God, you are holy. Jesus never says he walks up and demands things from God. We're about to enter Christmas season. Here's here's a good test. You just imagine that you get home this afternoon and your child runs up to you and demands you buy them a present. See, that, that little, and all the thoughts that all of you parents just had. I had it up here too, because I imagine Hudson running into me, demanding what I'm going to buy him for Christmas. Yeah, all those thoughts right there, watch this. Then why would we think the one that created us would be any different? See, we, we, we do this thing where we like to approach the throne room pride and prideful and puffed up. And Jesus said to come in there and humble your, if 
my people who are called by my name would humble themselves. Humble themselves. Don't walk into the throne room and think we deserve something. Let me tell you something. We deserve nothing. The only reason we are where we are is because Jesus decided to hang on a cross for us. The only thing I deserve is hell. That's all I deserve. I deserve hell. Jesus is the one that came and gave me a gift I don't deserve. His blood does not make it to where I can be prideful and puffed up. If anything, His blood makes it where I should crawl on my hands and knees as low as I can. If God will allow me to crawl under His throne, I should be willing to. That's how we come to Him. God, You are holy. I'm nothing. I'm a speck of dust in time that You care about. Instead of coming in 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 this pursuit of more. Right? That's how we seek first the kingdom of God. When we get our minds connected to the kingdom, when we get our money connected to the advancement of the kingdom, when when we get our relationships, our marriages, all of these things connected to the pursuit of the kingdom. That's what he means when he says, pick up your cross and follow me. Some of us are trying to drag our cross down our own path. And when we understand that and we humble ourselves and get down to where he asks us to be and lose all the pride, lose all the puffiness, Lose all the self-absorption. Check our egos at the door and all of these things. Then it becomes easier to be thankful in all circumstances. Amen? In James chapter 1, verse 17, it says this. It says... So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. All good things. How many good things? All of them come from our Father in heaven. All good things. And I laugh when I hear, when you see it in movies or you hear celebrities give interviews or, or sometimes you hear people that you know very closely that sit in church with you that make ignorant statements sometimes about how the universe gives them things. Sometimes I wonder if people really sat, like recorded themselves and then sat down and listened to the things that they, really, that they say, how ignorant that sounds. That the universe did so, or, 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 or this will probably get me more in trouble than the demanding thing. Or good vibes. Send me some good vibes. How about you just get down and pray for somebody? Right? That's where we've gotten to a place in our society. We have gotten too embarrassed to admit we need prayer 
that we just ask somebody something stupid like send me some good vibes. You, you won't find good vibes in here anywhere. And for us as Christian people to pretend that it is, then we are the ones that the Bible says beware of those that mislead you. Or people will put these rocks in their offices or in their homes and say these crystals are, are clearing the room. That's ignorant. Or dare I say, that's devilish. We have gotten so focused on worshiping the things the Creator created instead of worshiping the one that created it. But here's the thing. They think those crystals will help them, but you tell them there's somebody that died on the cross for them, and watch how stupid we sound to them. You mean to tell me that you believe that in the beginning there was nothing and all of this nothing decided to become something that then exploded into everything. That makes sense to you, but a God saying, let there be, makes no sense. When else in human history have you ever seen nothing become something without somebody making it? Wow, Pastor Ernie, you sound like a scientist. No, I just read the Bible. We've been so duped to believe the things that we believe are ignorant. And if you really sit down and listen, you'll understand there's no way this thing can't be true. All the way down, we don't have time, the rabbit holes that I would love to go down. Like millions of years and all that nonsense. We're not going to do that today. I have a feeling I'm going to have some Facebook messages this afternoon. <laughs> Pastor Arnold, what did you mean by millions of years? Thousands, it's whatever you want to believe. All right, back to the Bible. All good things. How do we know that? Because we can find ourselves, look at the story in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 16. Now we all sitting in this room have seen God do amazing things. In our lives, and other people's lives, yes, yes, amen. Some of us are waiting to see God do amazing things in our lives. To me, though, one of the most incredible stories, but one of the most frustrating things in the Bible is reading the book of Exodus, especially when the people of Israel are freed from Egypt. You know why it's so aggravating? Because it's us. They are in Egypt for over 400 years and they're crying out for a savior. They're crying out for freedom. God, please free us. Please free us. Please free us. And then the savior comes to free them. They didn't want him. He was raised by them. Who is this guy that can't speak? Wanted, him, wanted his ancestry.com, his heritage and where he comes, all this kind of stuff. Oh, we don't do stuff like that, right? We want help and the help comes, but it ain't the help that we, that we wanted. It's the help we need, but it's not, right? It don't look like what we need. We prayed for a car. What we really wanted was a Corvette, right? We got a Camry, and we don't like it. And so Moses shows up, and not only we miss, they, the people of Israel witnessed the ten plagues, and it not affect them. 
And then they watched Pharaoh, who was strong-headed, hard-hearted, be humbled, brought to his knees, and say, okay, please, please get out of here. They got their freedom they had begged for. Right? So they flee. Not only do they flee, they come to a lake, or, 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 or an ocean, a sea, the Red Sea. I was going to get it, pond, river. The Red Sea. They come to the Red Sea. There's no way for them to escape. And God, again, makes a way. They watch it part. Not only did it part, they had dry ground to walk across. That in itself is a miracle, right? I would have been thankful to just see it part and have to trudge through the mud. No, God parted the sea, gave them dry ground. Oh, oh, watch this. Well, uh-uh, uh-uh. Then after they cross on dry ground, they turn and watch their enemies be vanquished. In all of their splendor and glory. And then God sends them around war. He says, you know what, I'm going to keep you safe. You may have to spend an extra couple of days, but I'm going to send you around war. Now watch this. The place they begged to be freed from. They are in, they're on their way to their promised land. Well, at least in captivity, we had food. You know, at least while we were back there, at least while we were in the world, we had friends. The people of Israel watched all of the plagues, all of the miracles. They watched their firstborns be saved. They watched their enemy be humbled. They watched the sea part. They watched dry ground form. They watched their enemies be destroyed. And what's the first thing that happens? They start complaining. Because now they want more. So watch this though. God being good like he is. Because we're taught the God of the Old Testament just smite somebody in a heartbeat, right? It's not true. Now God looks at him and says, hey, I've heard your complaints. I'm going to cause birds to bring you meat and bread. Meat and bread, meat and bread. And the one instruction for those people was, just get enough for you to last the day. I'll bring more tomorrow. And what did they do? Oh, food, food. And then they complained. They wanted something different besides meat and bread. Now, see, we read that and we go, oh, my God, if God would just free me from this situation, I'd never complain again. Through human history, it's proven that that's not true. So what we should practice is being thankful and content where we are. Because the Bible says, whom who is given much... If you are faithful in the, you'll be given, you'll be asked to Lord over much. Some of us haven't seen increase because we haven't been thankful in what we have now. Watch this. For us that are church folks that serve in the house. Are you okay? Are you content with just saying hello on Sunday mornings? Would you be content if your calling is to clean the bathrooms? 
See, sometimes we overlook where God wants us to be. Maybe God wants you greeting on Sunday mornings because he needs that person that's coming to see you standing there. We overlook the small things that we do for God because it doesn't bring glory from men. But it brings glory from God. If you've been called to clean the bathroom and somebody that needs Jesus stops in the parking lot and has to really, really use the bathroom and there you are in there. Are we content with what we're doing? Where God has us? Now I know that we all are dealing with tragedy. We're dealing with things in our life. Whether it be sickness. Whether it be, whether it be on the verge of... Whatever it is. But we can still remain content and thankful. For all the other stuff that God has. I'm going to read you another scripture that we read 75,000 times in church every year, every Sunday. It seems like we read this scripture, but I'm going to read it to you again. Is that cool? Good. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Put on all. How much? How much? How much? Put on all, remember, follow instructions. Some of us just take one piece of armor and go into battle. He says all. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Put on all. That means, watch this, here's the reverse of that. If you don't put on all... You won't be able to stand firm. Some of us go to church on Sunday and go, ha, that was good. Now let's see if the devil can move me. And forget all the other stuff that we were asked to do. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Watch this. Why do you think Paul tells us to put on armor? If I was to come here to you and bring you a trailer full of football equipment and ask you to put them on, what would you assume that we're going to do? Play football. If I was to bring you a sack of basketball uniforms and say, here, put these on, I wouldn't have to tell you what we were going to do, but you would assume that we're going to play basketball. Amen? So then let's assume the reason why he tells us to put on armor is because we're going to with the enemy. Right? We're not going to play patty cakes with him. He says to put on the full armor Therefore, put on every piece, again, twice he says all of it, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on peace. Remember, leave 
live peacefully among each other. Put on the shoes of peace that comes from the God's good news. Where does your shoes of peace come from? So that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of your faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Why is this important, right? That we stand our ground, that we put on these armors, we hide behind our shield of faith, we hold our sword of the Spirit, we put on the helmet of truth. All of these, why is this important that you stand your ground? Pastor Joe, will you stand up for me? Miss Angela, will you stand up for me? Miss Dorothy, will you stand up for me? Mama, will you stand up? Pastor Mike, will you stand up for me? Mr. Sammy, will you stand up for me? I want to show you something. In these battles in life that, we, that rage on, right, that we're fighting, the Bible tells us to stand firm when we've done all we can do to stand, to stand firm. That means when hell has burnt everything down around you, stand firm. Why, do we, why are we encouraged to stand firm? Right? So that when hell burns down around me and I'm ready to sit my rear end on the ground and give up, I can look and go, you know what? Pastor Joe's still standing up. You know what? Miss Angela's still standing. After everything she's been through, she's still standing. Miss Dorothy, after everything, she's still standing. Mr. Sammy is still standing. Pastor Mike, he's still up. So that when I look around, my mother, through everything, is still on her feet. That means I can look and go, you know what? That means I can stand here too. So that when I stay on my feet, that means the teenagers that you entrust to me can see, you know what? Pastor Hunter, don't give up. That's why it's important for us to stand our ground, to be thankful in situations. You know what? Just like Psalm says, a thousand may fall on this side, ten thousand on that side, but bless God. You guys can sit down if you want to. That's why it says that. You know what? It may all be burned down around me. There may be nothing left. But praise God, I'm thankful I'm still here. Paul said it best. If you kill me, I'm going to go home to be with Jesus. If you let me live, I'm going to keep preaching about Jesus. So what can you do to me? Burn the house down. Take the trucks. Take the prestige. Take the popularity. Take my name. Take it all. But you can't take the blood of Jesus away from me. We have things to be thankful for, no matter how dark it looks. Sometimes we get, we're so blinded by the dark, we can't see our own light. But your light is important. We were at home the other night. Me and Kirsten and the boys were getting ready to leave. And my dad come pulling down the dirt road. And out where we live, when the skies are clear enough, the moonlight and the stars give off enough light for you to see. Right? 
And so when we were little, my dad had this thing where he liked to ride, he'd cut the lights off. No, no warning, no heads up, just boop, lights go off. Well, for two little boys, that's, that's a little scary. Because we, I, the lights are off, I have no control over the car, right? But you can see because that light shining, even as faint as sometimes the moon can be, as faint as those stars can see, you can see, you can see to drive down the dirt road. So we're out in the yard the other night, we're getting ready to leave, and, and Kirsten's hearing is better than mine. And when I say better than mine, a lot better than mine, right? Not only am I hard of hearing, I have selective hearing. It's a condition. I don't know if you guys have it. I hear what I want to hear. Selective hearing. But we're standing in the yard, and we're trying to get everything into the car. I just got off work. We're, we're trying to go get something to eat before it gets too late, you know, because the kids have got to go to bed. And, and Kirsten says, somebody's driving down the road. First thing I looked for was headlights. No headlights. So my first thought was, my wife's losing it. I said, Kirsten, you're paranoid. There's nobody coming down the dirt road. Next thing I know, I hear, hey, hey, what, are you, what you doing? I'm going to tell you what. If I didn't recognize that voice in the darkness, somebody very close to me was about to meet Mr. Smith and Wesson. But, 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 but in the darkness, I knew whose voice it was. It was my father calling out to me in the darkness. And when he turned his lights on, we could see. So when he walks up in the yard and he says, and, and Kirsten goes, Victor, what are you doing? He says, well, I can see because of the light. But it's amazing. I could not, I'm telling you, I couldn't see him. I had to fumble for my phone, turn the little flashlight on. I'm walking so I don't step in a hole or dog crap or whatever else in the yard, Right? I couldn't see him, didn't know where he was, but I knew his voice. All I did was walk to where he was talking. I followed his voice until I could get to where I could see. The light was shining, I could see, right? That's our relationship with God needs to be. That no matter how dark it gets, how bad it gets, whatever it is, when God calls to me, I recognize his voice because... We have that relationship. I know him. If it would have been another voice that I, didn't, that I didn't recognize, that didn't make sense to me, that was telling me something I haven't heard Victor tell me my whole life, right? Guns drawn. Who's this in my yard with my wife and children? We have to quit following every voice that whispers to us. Look, the enemy, the enemy showed up to Adam and Eve and quoted the word to them. Oh, well, the devil wouldn't use the word of God. Through the, whole, through the whole thing he does. How do you think he's going to deceive millions in the last days? 
But when we know the, the, the truth, see, we, we, we get that scripture backwards. We, we hear taught, the truth will set you free. That's not what that says at all. Anybody can come peddling, peddling truth to you. The Bible says if you know the truth, then the truth will set you free. Amen? The truth will not allow you to follow voices in the darkness that lead to destruction. Amen? I'm almost done. I promise. I promise. Woo! Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We've heard that 75 million ways, right? That does not mean there's nothing I can't do. But that's the way we have taught, right? Ooh. Right? So then when everything doesn't happen, we get frustrated at who? Who that scripture's talking about. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ. See, we always understand that I can do all things with Christ. It says I can do all things through Christ who's with me. Right? Through Him I can do all things. Not with Him or apart from Him or just because I quote His book every now and then. Through Him I can do all things. Luke 17, 6 this is my favorite one. And I, 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 I'm getting ready to close with this one. Luke 17, 6. Are you guys okay this morning? Luke 17, 6, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Jesus is teaching his followers. And he makes a statement. They're asking him, the apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. And the Lord answered, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed. You could say to this mulberry tree, may you be rooted up and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. You guys ever had any run-ins with mulberry trees? Not fun. There's a reason why God picked mulberry tree. There's a reason why Jesus picked the mountain. There's a reason why Jesus picked the olive tree. Three different things. The olive tree was very essential to their culture. It was very essential to them for food, for cooking, for everything. So when Jesus pulled up on that tree, and it didn't have no olives on it, Jesus said, well, this thing is not working no more. Withered it up, died. Freaked the disciples out. And if you read these accounts of the disciples and Jesus, that wasn't the wildest thing that Jesus had ever done. But for some reason, that freaked them out. I'm pretty sure when he changed Aquafina into Chardonnay, <laughs> I'd be like, you know what? This guy right here, <laughs> this guy, staying with him. I'll be inviting Jesus to every tailgate I ever had. I'm going to go down here. I'm going to buy some Nancy Springs water. We're going to have a good time. Right? He watched them feed 5,000 people with a Happy Meal from Captain D's. But this, when they walked back by, a couple of days later, they make the circle around. Oh, wait, that tree really is dead, right? He picked a mountain because it was in his way. Picks the mulberry bush because um, it was a problem. You ever noticed that when Jesus tells them to put their mouth 
and their faith on something, it's a problem in their life. He doesn't tell them to put their faith on something for more. He says, if you'll put your faith on this problem and believe what you're saying about the problem. But Jesus makes a statement when he talks about the mustard seed. And we take that as, oh, you know what? If this is, if, 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 if this is all, I, this is all I need. All I need is just a little bit of faith. But Jesus says, if that's all you had. If mustard seed is all you had. Not that's all you need. If that's all the faith you had. Because we understand that the rest of the scriptures are full of ways to build your faith, strengthen your faith, grow your faith. Why would they talk about growing faith if just a little dab will do? But Jesus says if that's all you had, then you could speak to any problem in your life. Believe in your heart. Right? And look, here's the point that I'm trying to make with this story. For all of you that are struggling with things and have been struggling with things for a long time. Watch this. Jesus spoke to the olive tree and then they carried on their journey and came back a couple of weeks later. If they would have made that trip back to that olive tree every day, would it have been withered immediately when he said it? We don't really know. But we know that they made that long trip around and came back in 40 days and there was the olive tree withered. Sometimes your faith has to stay strong even in the journey back around to see what God promised you. We can't lose faith in the waiting, right? We can't lose faith in the standing. We have to stay content with what God has already done for us. Amen? I want you guys to ponder something for me right now. As I close, and, and I want to give people an opportunity to accept Jesus or to follow Jesus or whatever it is that Jesus is calling you for. And I've made this statement a few times. In the last days that we're in, staying thankful in all of these things, I, I want to pose something to you. Propose something, whatever the word is. For us that are believers, this life that we're living right now, as someone who has made Jesus their Lord and Savior, this life is as close to hell as you'll ever get. Think about it. As terrible as life is right now, this is as close to hell as you'll ever get as a believer. But as someone who does not believe in Jesus, has not called on the name of the Lord, this life, as terrible as it is, this is as close to heaven as you'll ever get. Ponder that for a minute. The first time I read that statement, everything inside of me tightened up. I said, oh my God. As terrible as things have been for me, my family, my friends, this is as close to an eternity without Jesus as I'll ever be. But for those around me that don't know Him, this is as close to Him as they'll ever get. If you don't know Jesus, you won't know the satisfaction or the pleasure of walking through the East Gate, seeing the streets of gold that we read about, seeing the throne room, 
tossing our crowns at the feet of the one who gave his life for us. How crazy it is to think that this is as close to heaven as it'll ever get for some. Not me. Not me. This life is way too close to hell than I want. Right? So I've got two questions this morning before we leave. If you would say, Pastor Hunter, I heard the things you said. And somewhere in your message, God spoke to me. And I've never made Jesus my Lord and Savior. And I want to make sure before I leave today that my life is right with Christ. If that's you, if you just put your hand up just a little bit. I just want to know who I'm praying for this morning, who we're praying for, who we're praying with this morning. Awesome. Awesome. Got a few. Awesome. 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 That's the whole reason why God sent me this morning. Because God sends people like me to speak. Because His Word says He doesn't want anybody to perish and be separated from Him. No one. No matter what you've done, where you've been, what you've seen, what you've touched, what you've walked through, what you've said, what you've heard. The Bible says that, that, that sin leaves a stain on our lives, but Jesus' blood comes and washes us as white as snow. And that's what I'm here for. All of that this morning. My second question is this. You say, you know, Pastor Hunter, your message spoke to me. And, 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 and I've started a relationship with Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus. But somehow, someway, through a lot of situations, I've walked away, I've fallen away, I've slipped away. Whatever it is we want to call it. And I want to make sure that I'm, I'm right with Jesus before I leave. If that's you, if you'll do the same thing. I just want to know who we're praying for. Who I'm praying for. Awesome, awesome. You know, the Bible gives an account two separate times that when someone comes to know Jesus, the Bible says that the angels rejoice in heaven. That means right now, because you've made a decision that the angels rejoice in, but the Bible also says that in the midst of the angels, that all of heaven rejoices. That means that when someone comes to know Jesus, God Himself rejoices over that soul. It proves that he doesn't want anybody separated from him. Amen? If everyone will stand up, we're all going to pray together. And if you'll repeat after me, I'm going to echo what Doc says every Sunday. It's not important that you hear me pray. It's not important that you hear the people around you pray. What's important is that you hear yourself make this statement. In Romans it says that whoever believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth shall be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen? So let's pray. Father God, here I am to say to you that I am sorry. Please forgive me where I have sinned against you. Lord, forgive me where I have failed. I'm asking you to let your son's blood cover me, wash me, and make me new. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came, 
He died and He rose again for me so that I can be right with You. And Lord, I believe that from this day forward, my name is in the Lamb's book of life. I love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Thank you guys.